0: we can put them in the backyard we can build you know with age in place designs where there's no steps there's a roll in shower and we can take care of somebody in our family we can put our adult age kids like my 19 year old above my office we can um, move into the house ourselves the ADU and rent the main house and live for free so it's not just a product that's for investors that's why i like to talk about the the, the scalability and like the feasibility as is yeah. All right, welcome to Real
1: Estate Hustlers Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Appleman, founder and CEO of Appleman Capital. Today, we are joined with Derek Sherell. Derek has over 25 years experience in real estate and is an expert in ADUs, ADU developer and endurance athlete, founded ThatADUguy.com, educates on ADU buildings, and is featured on top REI platforms. Derek, we're excited to have you here on the show today. If you could, let the audience know a little bit more about yourself.
0: Yeah, great to be here. Hopefully, I can say a few things that'll help the listeners. Um, You pretty much summed it up. Uh, Let's see what we can do to help people really quickly about my background. Um, I grew up as a carpenter. um, Then I was a fireman working full-time as a fireman and building houses the whole time. I practiced the slow, simple path to wealth with uh, small infill housing strategies. I focus a lot on accessory dwelling units, lot splits, Um, infill housing would be, um, taking areas within the city limits and, um, building needed housing units.
1: Nice. Very cool. Uh, what inspired you to get into, uh, to ADUs?
0: You know, I just happened to get lucky Josh. I mean, that's a a question that people ask me all the time and I wish I had a better answer, but I, I grew up in this small Southern Oregon mountain town and we had a accessory dwelling code. In the early 90s so maybe 25 years before state legislation really caught on to this uh, more affordable housing strategy and i had a woodshop teacher when i was um, 15 years old and he took a group of misfit kids he, he handpicked us kids now looking back he probably knew weren't going to go to college didn't have a strong drive to study in class and he formed a construction technology program and we built an accessory dwelling unit for another one of our teachers and that was in 1995 and um, it was kind of at that moment i knew this is what i want to do i'm passionate about it I'm good at it it comes easy to me everything else at, uh, you know at school wasn't as easy and um, i just kind of hit the ground running i spent years building real estate for other people It probably took f- five to eight years of doing that before it even dawned on me that I could build these for myself and create my own semi-passive income. So that kind of, um, that's where it started 20, almost 28 years ago, uh, this year.
1: Let's get into, uh, what is an ADU and then, um, how, how one can kind of see if it's a fit for their property or not, and then how they can benefit from them.
0: Yeah, for sure. So the, the national terminology of ADU, that acronym stands for accessory dwelling unit. And um, the most important part of the acronym is the A is accessory. So in most cases, in most zoning codes, it's accessory to a primary house that's in a single family zone. So we don't want to mix this up with, I'm going to buy five acres of multifamily land and develop it with apartments. Those aren't accessory dwelling units. Those are commercial apartment buildings. Um, What's nice about an ADU, an accessory dwelling unit, or in some areas, maybe an additional dwelling unit is we can we can build small multi-family real estate in single family zones and the idea behind this movement is we have all these low and medium density areas where there's a single house and a big empty backyard and as opposed to cities expanding their city limits or their urban growth boundaries. the the kind of um, uh, the thought in the planning world is we're not going to expand our cities. We're going to infill what we have, where we already have streets and roads and police and fire hydrants and light poles and stuff like um, other infrastructure like that. So that's kind of the idea of what an ADU is. And I'll just tell you also um, historically, you know, we have had these for years, you know, think of a carriage house or a granny flat or a mother-in-law unit or a guest home. Um, We've had these for centuries we're just kind of rebranding them as states on the coasts come out with really good legislation to allow people to do these.
1: Yeah. So you can, you can get the primary residence that has a little bit of land on the back and, and that could be your play to, to get in, get, at least get maybe your house payment paid for. And then you get onto an infinite return that way. Is that correct?
0: All the time. Yeah. And another way to look at an ADU is, is a duplex. You're, you're looking to buy a duplex or a triplex only, Um, they're usually in a better area. So the way zoning works, single family zoning is usually in more low density areas. Think more green space, more parks, farther away from the sewage treatment plant, farther away from the railroad tracks, the city center. So in a lot of cases, maybe a little bit more desirable area and you can, um, you know, beat your competition. Who's looking for a duplex or triplex by looking for single family houses that have these legal adus or one of my favorite strategies uh, looking for these houses that have illegal adus in jurisdictions where we know we can get them permitted to be a legal unit and another um kind of caveat to this product is most people think duplex they think shared wall either side by side or over under and um an accessory dwelling unit can be that or it can stand alone you you could have a basement conversion you could convert your garage you can um you know, convert your attic. You can uh, you can build new standalone products in the backyard, which is my favorite strategy. Or what I want our new listeners to understand that are new to real estate is that the quickest, easiest path to getting on the rental ladder is to buy a single-family house that has a master bedroom that's semi-detached in design from the house. Maybe on the other side of the house as the other two bedrooms. Put in an exterior door. Um, pull a couple permits to do a firewall and meet fire and life safety code. And you turned a three, two into a one, one and a two, one legally. And you have this really cool product for very little money out of pocket.
1: It kind of sheds light on how duplexes were born. Uh, the older yeah. houses, they, um, they went and put uh, a, another door. You can always tell where they put new doors or bricked up old doors and, and made the, um, made the layout different. That's um very cool. How do you scale this? What's the uh, what's the model to, uh, to scaling and getting a portfolio going?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you a couple different ways. Uh, one is you just add it to your buy box. Okay. So if you're a small multifamily investor and you're buying four doors or less with long-term fixed rate residential debt, you just simply add accessory dwelling units to your buy list. You tell your agent, you look for them yourself. Um, that's one way to scale these. Uh, The the path that I've taken and the path that I teach everybody is the slow, simple path to wealth, which is with the house hack. You buy a single family house. You either convert, um, add, or it already had an ADU. You occupy it for at least a year. After a year, you start looking for your next one. When you move out, you don't sell it. You just simply put it into service as a rental and go do it again. The average person with an average job can do this once a year in five years, they have 10 units and they don't have to work again if they have the proper discipline. Um, so it's not as scalable per se as going and buying a 20 unit, um, but it's more attainable. So we get, we get caught up a lot of times in real estate and our fire movement of, of what's scalable and what's attainable. And everybody hears people talking about 10 X in their portfolio. And my goal is next year to add a hundred units. And I don't, I don't really um, buy into a lot of that bullshit. It's like, if you can, if you can, X your portfolio, um, by buying a house and adding an ADU, or if you can double your portfolio every two years, it only takes five or 10 years at max to get, um, the number of units one would need to live a uh, sustainable lifestyle. And that's been my experience. So I I call it again, the, the slow, simple path to wealth. So the scalability, um, I always tell people to start with, if you can just add one unit a year and scale that in, in five years and if i'm half wrong and it takes you 10 years you're still going to be out of the rat race
1: very cool slow and steady gets it done that's um and that's really with anything Just buy smart buy right finance it right and manage it right that's the um that's a big piece um what are some pushbacks that you've seen when when you're trying to convert a, a house into an adu that you've seen from the uh, city side
0: great question josh we have to pinpoint uh, a geographic location to deploy this strategy. In other words, it doesn't work in every area. You have to have either a state that has overarching zoning code that um, not only allows, but likes these. Like think coastal states, um, California, Oregon, uh, Washington, Montana recently. And then there's also more progressive cities. So, um, you know, Connecticut's another good state. Austin, Texas is a great area that, that loves these. Um, but if you're in uh, say a really hot market in the Southwest, uh, or in Florida and you want to convert your garage into an accessory dwelling unit, make sure you can do that before you buy a property. A lot of the calls I get every week are people that call and say, hey, Derek, I was trying to buy a house with an ADU or trying to buy a house where I could build an ADU and they didn't start with the planning and zoning questions. So the, the biggest um, roadblock I see from cities to directly answer your question is people try to build or convert an ADU in a city or municipality with an ordinance that does not allow them. So if this is a strategy that you're thinking of doing, here's a good example of what I would do. I would call said city and I would say, hey, I'm a, a local investor or I'm an out-of-state investor looking at purchasing a property in your area. Um, with the rising cost of home ownership and taxes in your area, I'd like to add a second unit. Do you have an accessory dwelling unit code? And if so, can you send me the standards? And then you can look at those real quickly. Um, we'll just play this out. It might say you need a minimum lot size of 5,000 square feet and you must have room for two off-street parking spots. So now I have my treasure map in that area that I can either use or I can give my agent that says, hey, we're looking for properties that are 5,000 square foot or larger that have plenty of off-street parking. I'd prefer it was on a corner lot or maybe an alley so I have better access for that second unit. And then we would go shopping. So the, the long answer to your question is make sure that the city that you're shopping in will allow you to do what you want to do. And this doesn't go just for ADUs. This is common sense to most of our listeners. But don't go buy a, a rural tract in the county that you think you're going to put 500 self-storage units on unless you know for sure that it's zoned commercial and self-storage units are an allowable use there. This happens every day as well where people call me and they say derek i was trying to do a glamping resort or i wanted to do dome houses or teepees or um whatever air streams and unless you have campground zoning a lot of times you can't do that stuff so it starts with the the boring stuff that nobody talks about which is planning and zoning code
1: what um what does this do for the uh, the value of the property does it go up or go down or stay the same
0: Wonderful question. Uh, It's going to depend on the area. If you look at states that have wonderful ADU code and have for several years, there's really good data on the gold standard of appraisal, which is comparative value approach. Uh, A good trick that I use and I suggest people do is Say you have a property that you want to build an ADU on. I would go to a local respectable appraiser and say, Hey, here's a set of blueprints. I want to build or convert an ADU at this address. It should be done in six months. What's your opinion of value? And that way you can get an idea. I have seen people over design and overspend on their ADUs. They build a $200,000 ADU, they go to burn their money back out, and they only get $75,000 of value for that. You can avoid that by paying an appraiser upfront to give you an opinion of value on that project. Uh, Another quick rule of thumb I use is um, build or convert your accessory dwelling unit to the value of the neighborhood. So if you have a house in a neighborhood where the average purchase price is $400 a square foot, don't go build an ADU for $500 a square foot and and get your value, think you're gonna get your value back. Um, So some things to keep in mind. And then the last piece I'll add to that is if you can build to the square foot price of your neighborhood and count on getting 70% of that back, that's a really good conservative measure. And, um, you know, we'll usually always win with that metric.
1: If it's on like the back of the house, say you've got an alleyway on the back of the house, would, um, would you be able to, I guess, do the lower levels of garage and then the rentable unit above or what is like one of the most common designs that you see?
0: Yeah, that's that's an amazing um, strategy. It's just going to depend on your area and your price point and the standards you have to meet. For example, the ADU above garage is uh, an incredible strategy when you're in an area that has strict parking requirements. So if you only have two parking spots and you need to keep those to be able to build a second unit, the best option you have is to keep those two spots in a garage and build a unit above it. If you're uh, in an area that is a maybe a corner lot and you want to build a detached unit, um, that's an amazing strategy for you know splitting the yard in half with a fence and almost making it feel like it's two different properties. If you only have enough money to put three and a half percent down and maybe save up another five or ten thousand dollars to convert a bedroom, you know that A.D.U. conversion strategy would be the best for you. So I, I would always say that it depends on the rules, uh, the goals of the buyer, and how much money the buyer has. Uh, but that's a, that's a great, great question, Josh. I'm actually in the downstairs level of a detached accessory dwelling unit. Um, it's my studio here and my 19 year old son lives above it. Um, so this is, this is a, a standard, um, ADU over garage and then the garage has finished space, um, with my office in the back corner. So mixed nice. use, I, I call it kind of a, a, a curveball to a mixed use building. Very cool. Uh, what's been one of the
1: most cool, or what, let me word this right, what has been one of the coolest projects that you've done or been involved with on an ADU?
0: You know, uh, I think they're all amazing. I love every one of them. The the coolest ones, I think, are the affordable units. So when I can find or help somebody find a property that, that has a section of the house or a wing of the house that's really easily converted into a side-by-side ADU conversion for say less than $30,000 that rents for on average 1200 bucks a month. Those are my favorite. When when a new homeowner, um, somebody that's, that's barely making it, uh, has decent credit, has a decent job, but they're at the very edge of their spending limit on rent and they find a property like this, they buy it, they do a legal conversion, they move a couple of their friends into the other side of the house and they're paying less than they were paying in rent while becoming a property owner and building equity and kind of getting some training wheels for being a landlord at the same time. So those, those are the, the, the most fun projects that we do.
1: How do you go out there and, uh, and get a loan to build one? Is it just a typical construction loan? And I guess how's the, how does the lender lean the property if there's already a lien on a property?
0: Yeah. So there's uh Directly to answer that question, if you have a first position lien with a bank, you're going to have to either do one of two things you're going to have or three things, I guess you'll have to refi out of the first to get money to build the ADU. You're going to have to um, build it with some kind of financial stack that involves cash, which could be asking family, uh, maybe borrowing from an employer sponsored 401k maybe talking to a private or hard money lender, or the third option would be to find a debt product that specializes in this housing type that's in second position. There's a company that um, I recommend. I always tell people to do your own research, uh, trust but verify, do your own due diligence. But I think Renify has the best um, financial product for ADUs. They finance a fixed rate 20 year second. There's a couple different products they have, but I would look at Renify and um, see what kind of options they have. They have an interest only and a uh, principal and interest payment. But the cool thing about them is they specialize in second position debt for ADUs. Another thing that I always tell people is to go to the place where you have relationships. So if you've been with a small local credit union for years or a small local bank, go to them and ask them, hey, do you have any product that you can help me build this with? In most cases, it's um, a no brainer. We're going to build a $100,000 ADU It rents for $1,500 a month. Here's my licensed contractor that's going to build it. Here's a set of plans that we had a local appraiser say it's going to give X amount of value. It's pretty safe for the bank if you can do it right. Uh, But a lot of banks are risk off right now, especially with construction. But the simplest way I tell most real estate savvy folks is uh, that say, hey, Derek, this is a great strategy, but I don't like it because you can't finance it. And, And I always fire back. Well, how would you ever do a distressed property? How do we buy at a discount, add value, and then refinance? H- how would we buy a burr property or a distressed property? We buy it with cash, we add value, and then we put debt on it. So it's the same way. Uh, I look at an ADU. I'm going to buy a property. I'm going I'm to either put my own money or, or some kind of second or first possession money on it and then refi the, the money out of that.
1: Got it. And uh, that's cool. There's specialized lending on it too. Um, or a HELOC, Home Equity Line of Credit. If, um, like Wells Fargo, they just stopped doing theirs with the uh, turmoil in the market and all that good stuff. But what, um, what are your thoughts on where the market's at right now and where it's heading?
0: Yeah, my overall view on the market is that it's tough, but good times never last and bad times never last. We've seen, uh, I mean, last week, Jerome Powell came out a little more dovish than normal and said we're pausing rates, and the dot plot actually projected three rate cuts next year and I think four or five rate cuts in 25. I know that the market is betting on more rate cuts than that so I think we're at this really interesting tipping point where um, sellers are still a little bit scared and we can bargain for better prices and rates I mean they've they've fallen you know three quarters of a point in three weeks I think we're trending in the right direction. I'm still saying, you know, high, high rates for the next year or two, I'm underwriting everything I'm doing, um, you know, at higher rates than I think they're actually going to be. But for me, everything that we're doing is build and hold nothing's for sale. So it's, it's not as much, uh, you know, what is the market and the value doing it's, do people still have a job and can they pay rent? And if we hold these forever, are they still good investments? So the to wrap that up real quickly, I would just say that uh, the cash flow is down because um, rates are high right now. But in the long run, if we build a good product for our tenant and we give them what they want, we'll probably always have it full. And um, in the long run, it's going to just go up and to the right.
1: Got it. So, uh, do you all look? Are you looking for properties to purchase and then to add an ADU on, or just adding properties to your portfolio, whether you can or not?
0: Yeah. So the, the main strategy that I'm using right now is I I look for single family houses on large lots. I remodel the house and then I build a new standalone detached ADU in the front yard, backyard, our side yard, preferably with alley or corner access, put long-term tenants in there and keep them forever. Okay. Got it. And I'm also doing a little bit of, um, raw land development, which is the exact same strategy, only the yards big enough that we can remodel the house, build an ADU, split the lot legally into a new tax lot of record with a minor land partition. And then on the new lot, we're building a new single family house. And it also has a new detached ADU. So taking an older house on a large lot and turning it into two lots with four legal units, all detached, so there's no shared walls and we can give our customer, our end user, our our tenants, this really unique product. A tenant wants the same things that we want as homeowners. They want in this order. They want location, privacy, and amenities. So we give them these nice areas uh, in low density spots. They're getting privacy because there's no shared wall. It's not like an apartment where you have somebody stomping around above you. And then we put, um, you know, real hardwood floors and granite countertops, stainless steel appliances. We we put what I would call custom builder grade finishes in these rentals, which really makes them stand out.
1: Awesome. Heck yeah, that's good. Very cool. Is there anything that I have not asked about ADUs that would be useful for the other listeners to know about?
0: You know, the only thing I would say coming from a, a a past kind of um, policy maker and being involved in legislation is if your city or county or municipality doesn't allow accessory dwelling units, I would highly recommend that you go to a public meeting, say a planning commission meeting or a city council meeting um, or a borough meeting, whatever it is uh, terminology in your area and, and ask the decision makers. They're usually local community citizens just like you. Ask them if they've considered this. Hey, this is a great uh, answer to more affordable housing. Can we look at adopting some accessory dwelling unit code? AARP, the um, I think it's American Associations of Retired Persons, um, have sponsored a national model code for ADUs that a lot of cities and states are adopting almost verbatim. So the work's already done. So if you live in a city where they they don't allow these, I would go to a public meeting and say, hey, consider these and here's some code language that's already done. And nothing moves fast when it comes to, you know, bureaucratic red tape, it might take a couple years to get good ADU legislation in your area. But if you don't have this legislation. Um, I, I would start asking for it at the local level. And then another thing I would say is it's not just um, what we call capitalism with compassion. How do we build these and get you know good rents for them um, for our workforce housing? But they have a great use for aging in place as opposed to putting mom or dad in a home for $8,000 a month, we can put them in the backyard. We can build, you know, with age and place designs where there's no steps, there's a roll-in shower and we can take care of somebody in our family. We can put our adult age kids like my 19 year old above my office. We can um, move into the house ourselves, the ADU and rent the main house and live for free. So it's not just a product that's for investors. That's why I like to talk about the, the, the scalability and like the feasibility is we're not going to go do 100 of these doors next year, but the average person could do one of these, move into it, rent their house and absolutely change the trajectory of their financial life.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Very cool. If um if somebody out there wants to get a hold of you and learn more about it, join your program, how can they reach out?
0: Yeah, totally. I've got no email list. I'm not selling anything, no programs to join, but you can go to that ADU guy dot com where uh we have a bunch of stuff that we're super proud of we give away we open source everything that we're doing so i have free sets of plans that i give away there my exact shopping list of the um you know all the the finishes that we use is on there there's a link to my youtube channel which is also that adu guy where we've got over 400 videos of how to design finance build hold and manage your own adus including a 17 video series. It's like seven and a half hours of content where we build uh, my signature ADU from the ground up in 90 days. And I share every step as we build it. I share how much I'm paying my contractor friends. Um, You know, that was a course that we could have bundled and sold. And it was like, should we sell this to 100 people a year or should we give it away and thousands of people will see it? So I would say just go to my website, thataduguy.com. You can email me that number at the top of the screen is my actual phone number. So if you call me, just be ready to take action. I get a ton of calls from people that call and they're like, I didn't think you were going to answer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm busy. Like, how can I help you? And they they don't even have a question. So maybe start (laughs) with an email if you're not ready to take action. Uh, And then you can also follow me at that ADU guy on Instagram, probably most active on Instagram and YouTube.
1: Okay, perfect. Awesome. I definitely appreciate your time and uh, certainly look forward to following you and we will talk soon.
0: Thank you, Josh. Thank you, listeners. And uh, take action, folks. The only way we fail at this strategy is if we give up or die.
1: That's true. Thank you.